seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. In 1980, George Romero was making Creepshow, the, his biggest film in the end. It's certainly his, his box office success. Um, you know, Stephen King wrote and appears in it. And, um, for many, it's his, you know, their favorite film from his, from his, his, uh, oeuvre, his filmography, shall we say. We've already spoken about Night of the Living Dead. And I may or may not have mentioned the person who co-wrote the um, the film with him, um, a guy called John Russo. See, when Romero was um, busy making Creepshow, Russo himself was off uh, publishing a book and uh, getting getting together and making a very low budget smorgasbord of a film. John Russo's Midnight, uh, an ultra-low budget horror film, which uh, throws plenty at the screen. It's interesting how these two people who collaborated, and indeed Russo appears in Night of the Living Dead, kind of deviate away from each other. And um, although at times Russo kind of returns back to Night of the Living Dead, um, nonetheless... Um, you know, I think it was obviously fair to say that Romero was uh, was, the, was the man who had a slightly more successful career, and uh, Russo's, um, as evidenced here, indicates a person who was uh, certainly on board and knowledgeable about writing, but uh, maybe not has the uh, the vision that Romero had. That feels a bit harsh thinking about it, but although maybe true. There's a lot to say about Midnight in terms of being quite uh, an interesting, unusual film and a, a success. Bearing in mind, it's, you know, it, it 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 definitely catches the attention, and it's for a film that is um, very low budget. Um, you know, boxes above its weight. So today we're going to talk a bit about Russo. A bit about the film and a bit about one of the actors who is who's in it. Who, when you watch it, you probably you may well rack your brains trying to remember who he is. And while we can be quite cynical about the quality of Midnight, um, nonetheless, it is almost certainly very much John Russo's vision. Tom is nineteen, Nancy seventeen, and Hank twenty-one. They had a good time for a while. But now, they're missing. It all started as innocent fun. The van, the drinking, the turn-ons, until they crossed the county line. They crossed the line into a lonely community where anything can happen, where anyone can disappear without a trace. And now, from the pages of John Russo's best-selling novel, the story becomes a motion picture, Midnight. I 
thought I saw a shoe sticking out from under that blanket. Nah, he was just a big farmer with a bundle. Your mind's playing tricks on you, girl. You're all shook up. As soon as we find a good campsite, we'll smoke some of this good hash and loosen you up. Hold it there, fellas. Don't you make any foolish moves. Keep your hands visible. You reach for anything inside that bag, and I won't wait to see what you're reaching for. I'll just shoot. Maybe we'll uh, drag them out in the woods one at a time. Question them separately. Good idea. might be right in front of you. There's been a half a dozen people found dead around here just in the past couple of years since I came here to preach. Some look like accidents, some obviously murdered. It's all right, Sam. Right. Take your boy along. Right. I'm looking on you, black boy. Which one of you owns this van? I do. Okay, take your six pack, get in the van, get out of town, now. You heard the man? Come move on, it. let's go. Let's go. go. We don't need your kind around here. Hank, move it. your white trash. Let's go. They should have known better when they came into town. Every sign pointed to what could happen there. Every indication told them to leave, now. The wise guys in the bar, the preacher's warning, and the sheriff who made hate a way of life. Go, get out of town. We don't want your kind here. But they stayed. They stayed, and it became too late to leave. Too late as the clock approached midnight. Midnight. Now the book from the co-author of Night of the Living Dead comes to life on the screen. Don't miss John Russo's Midnight. So, Midnight. Released in 1982, American, um, filmed a little bit earlier, and based on John Russo's own novel of the same name, which is published by Pocket Books. It is, without doubt, an exploitation horror film starring uh, Melanie Verlin, who uh, basically doesn't appear much else apart from this, and Lawrence Tierney, who, let's get this out the way quickly, is the old fella in Reservoir Dogs and has appeared in all sorts of stuff through the years. It also has... a uh, John Amplis in it, who you will know from Martin, and also is the uh, zombie who gets a machete in his head in Dawn of the Dead and does therefore appear on numerous promotional posters for that film. We're going to cover Dawn and we're going to cover Martin in future episodes. So the story follows a young, potentially very young, um, female hitchhiker who's trying to get to San Francisco but ends up stuck in the uh, backwoods satanic cult in Pennsylvania who are sacrificing a young woman in an attempt to resurrect their dead, their very dead mother. 
So a young girl, Nancy, runs away from her home after her stepfather, Bert, who's played by Lawrence Tierney, who's a police officer, tries drunkenly to rape her. She hicks hikes, she's trying to get to her sister's house in San Fran. She's picked up by two lads who, to be fair, are not bad people. Hank and Tom. Trouble starts kicking off when um, Hank is refused service at a bar because of racism. They are short on money and they steal stuff to try and get themselves across and get chased by police officers. John Amplis is one of these police officers and from there, things go from bad to worse as we jump between slasher film, exploitation movie, uh, potentially there's a bit of, um, you know, zombie action going on. There's a Satanist cult. It's a backwards slasher film. It's a backwards um, hick hillbilly horror film. All these different elements fly around in uh, the last 45 minutes, half an hour to 45 minutes, and it all comes to a point. And we, um, will she escape, basically, is the old classic. As, and who will survive what is a monumental shit show of characters rolling around, running around, and killing each other. <laughs> to review Midnight is... Um, it seems to a point... I mean, the film itself is... Is, is eminently watchable. As I said, there's loads going on in it. Um, and um, because of the way it jumps genre all the time, it, you know, you, you can't, it keeps you on your toes, you know what I mean? It, it defies your expectations by, by deciding not to be involved in any of them, you know? So the film released a uh, limited uh, independent uh, release in 82. And kind of toured, basically it was a tour in print film and then was re-released under the term title The Backwards Massacre, which in fairness, but that was in like mid-80s, which in fairness probably closer fits to with the midnight. Um, and the reviews, unsurprisingly, were mixed. But let's be fair to the movie. A film that um, is being clearly being created on an incredibly limited budget. Someone was, you know, IMDb says $70,000. Um, Wikipedia says $200,000. I think you'd be more likely to say lower than 200000 I think, but you never know. Particularly because apparently it was filmed under basically three people making this movie. With Russo kind of putting himself at the centre of pretty much everything to try and, you know, writing it, producing it and directing it. And, you know, as I say, well, while um, Romero... The co-writer of Night the Living Dead was busy, you know, doing those incredible, crazy uh, sets for for for, its co- for the cockroach scene in Creepshow. Um, Russo was running around the woods <laughs> with some 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 people who, uh, some people who you may never who, who you may never have seen before. Apparently, the film was um, shot on a lot of defective stock, cheap cheap film stock, which meant that. You know, it was less, you know, the best take that went went into the film, but, the, you know, the, the take that would, you know, came out okay, which is a shame, really. The ending of the film was also altered for the for the distributors because they didn't like the downbeat kind of stuff and wanted a more upbeat ending, which is why it basically just feels dead. The, the, film, the film just flips and goes quite jarring at the end, and it's quite, what well, it's, you know, quick, and that, that that's why. So, but Russo clearly trying to box above his weight. In fact, indeed, 
the credits, the film credits are, are almost ma- almost mask how limited the resources are. So, you know, the the end in film credits don't actually include um, everyone who's who made the film, just the cast. And that's clearly because you know, you know, Russo basically putting himself against everything <laughs> probably wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be the way forward. You know. It does feature a, a soundtrack that will stick in the mind as well. Um, One Man's Family do this kind of folky uh, track called Midnight, which um, you know does reference the name of the film quite a lot in it. Um, you'll be aware of it, certainly by the majority of the rest of the music. Was, uh, and, and the music and the editing as well was done by Paul McCulloch. Indeed, Tom Savini um, supplied the film special effects. But... Um, you wouldn't know, I think, and that's partly because of, uh, I believe that the um, the the creation of the film, you know, it, it's just cheap. It is just cheap. So Savini hasn't been able to do his best work, and indeed, you know, the, normally with Savini, you kind of get the opportunity, you get the opportunity to do big landmark jump scare violence, you know, like uh, someone's head blowing off, for example, you know, a la Dawn of the Dead, or uh, in um, Maniac. Here, he hasn't really got those options. From the script, so it's it's a little less um, a little less bloody, shall we say? You know, the film gets compared a bit to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, something that um, Russo points out that has nothing to do with him at all. Um, he uh, you know he, he claims he never even seen the Texas Chainsaw before this, and I think that well fair enough if you hadn't seen it. Um, I have to say, uh, you know, that any kind of comparison to Texas Chainsaw would be unfavourable for Midnight. So uh, <laughs> be very careful with those kind of suggestions. But the film kind of did okay. It did, you know, it, it was toured and then you know did all right on VHS. Sold approximately a million dollars worth video sets apparently by Vidimark. So you know, fair play, it's done all right. Um. For what was, you know, a very low output. So, Russo, born in 1939, um, almost certainly most known for um, Night to Live and Dead, but also worked on some other stuff, which we'll talk about now. And, you know, did appear in Romero's other film, There's Always Vanilla, as well as appearing as a, a ghoul in Night to Live and Dead. So, Russo met. George Romero uh, uh, on, while he was on holiday in Pittsburgh um, with a friend called Rudy Rishi. Um, Romero was kind of building um, latent, um, latent Image at the time, which was the commercial films that he made before Night of the Living Dead. Um, when Russo got out of the army, he kind of met up with his friends at Latent Image and they made plans for this feature film about, uh, ultimately, uh, about... Um, from Russo's idea of a young man stumbling upon a host of girls feeding off human corpses. But um, that's converted into Night of the Living Dead in the end and Romero's Living Dead series. And Russo went on to write more books, including The Majorettes, which Russo adapted for himself and directed by uh, Bill Hindman. The Hindman you know, will know as the first, the OG zombie in Night of the Living Dead, the guy who uh, smashes the window at the start of the film and uh, attacks Barbara. And he's made, you know, he made a, a, a pseudo sequel to, to this, Midnight Two, um, which was um, Sex and Midnight Two Sex Death and Videotape, which um, did very limited release in '93 on video, um, and 
you know, he, he directed something called Scream Queen's Naked Christmas in 96. Santa Claus, which is another cheapo uh, Christmas slasher film. Um, and he was also responsible for the Night of the Living Dead 30th Anniversary Edition, which is this god-awful version where they've filmed and shot additional scenes, which not good. Not good at all. But for some reason, Midnight's the one he kind of keeps on coming back to. So you've got this Midnight 2, which was a short, low budget, and it features basically the story of the one surviving member of the devil-worshipping family who goes around um, having sex and then stabbing people. Classy. And um, and indeed, last year, Russo, who is uh, 81 now, was asking for funding uh, via... Um, you know, it's not Kickstarter, but one of them. Um, crowdfunding for a, a remake of Midnight. So while um, he says that his favourite um, film that he did was Heartstopper, also known as Dark Craven from 93, it appears that Midnight's the one that he wants to come back to. That's possibly not surprising because, you know, as we've already said, there's a lot going on with it. And as we say before, this film features a, a fairly prominent and rather creepy um, and unpleasant um, cam- well, cameo performance by uh, Lawrence Tierney. Uh, so Lawrence, obviously known for Reservoir Dogs, but um, but you know he was in all sorts of stuff, and you know he was well into his you know he was into his sixties by you know he was about sixty when he appeared in this. You know what I mean? So to give some idea, so um, he was in. Um, Dillinger, 1945, the RKO film, that was kind of his breakthrough role, and he was on contract there, and he was playing. He always played tough men, you know what I mean. And then, you know, in the 50s and 60s, he again appeared in a variety of guest roles, like a lot of people do, and you know, things like um, the Detectives and Naked City, and then also appearing in you know quite hard boiled stuff like uh, John Cassavetes, A Child's Waiting, and Naked Evil. He also appeared in various, like, by that point, he appeared in, in, like, lesser stuff. So in the 70s and early 80s, he was in things like, he, he pops up in a small role in The Prowler, uh, which we've already spoken about, and Arthur as well. Um, before kind of appearing, almost like Return to Hollywood, again, guest appearances, things like Star Trek and all that. He's in loads of stuff. So, you know, that's why I kind of rack, racking your brains about it, but certainly is, um, his last or bit last big role was in 1991 when Tarantino uh, casts him as Joe Co- uh, as Joe Joe uh, Joe in Reservoir Dogs, um, you know, um, the one where um, the old fella, the old fella in it, you know, kind of walks around going, "Well, well, you know, you're Mister Pink." That's the fella. Um, slightly troubled man. Um. You know, there's only trouble with the drink uh, and and the bevy kind of um, damaged his career prospects and and you know and and, and impacted on him for for quite a while. Um, getting into bar fights and all the usual kind of awfulness. Indeed, during Reservoir Dogs, he only shot at his nephew while he was drunk and was arrested and bailed, and uh, they had to kind of bail him out so he could continue filming. So Tarantino decided not to work with him anymore. But that said, the big man made it to AC2, so you know. Well, he certainly caused a plenty himself and plenty of us lots of problems. Um, you know, hey ho. Um, I'm going to talk about John Amplis and um, more when we go into Martin. 
Um, because you know it's pretty pretty pivotal in terms of that film. We haven't uh, we haven't the video nasty podcast hasn't touched on on that yet, um, and that'll be that'll be a good good thing to kind of touch get get into. Um, but what I will say is that um, apparently he was uh, a bit messy at the time, shall we say? So the film was um, released on um, VHS and then released. Um, and it did. It had had a 1982 cinema release, uh, which was released uh, pre-cut, so like the R-rated version, we assume. And then a different cut was released in 1993 on VHS, which removes the opening sequence with the girl who gets a caught in a trap and is battered to death. Um, and then um, it's released again on Arrow Video, um, uncut. Um, and so it's available in Lionsgate, an R1, and an R0 version on DVD. Um, so if you want to get into that, you can do. I mean, it's 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 reasonably, you know, I, I, it's going to yeah, I think it's out of print, but I'm not, you know, it's not going to be the hardest film to get older. I don't think it's one of the ones that people are, you know, clambering over. So if you want to see it, I'm pretty sure you can get it relatively easily. You know... If you're struggling to find a film to watch, why not? Um, you know, you think to yourself, oh, I don't really know what kind of film I want to watch tonight. With what kind of horror film I want to watch? Then why not watch a film with all, all of them, all the ideas of all the horror films all combined together? That should do. That should do. You shouldn't. It? I think, um, much like with Mausoleum, which obviously we covered last week, uh, Midnight excels. Um, for those people who might have a bit of nostalgia for this one, um, it's exactly the kind of film that probably would stick in your mind because it's just so fucking off the wall and mad and loads of shit happens. Um, it's reasonably... Um, the writing's quite good, although the direction obviously isn't because it. It's I found it quite fun, but um, but I think that that might just be <laughs> that might just be me. Um, but uh, yeah, as I say, this got the, the Arrow film treatment back in the day, nearly 10 years ago now, so... Uh, Somebody's obviously got a soft spot for it for them for it to open then. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. If you want to get hold of me, please do. My email address is videonastiespodcast at gmail.com. You can get me on Twitter at orange underscore monkey. I am there. I know I've locked it. Uh, and the, vid- the website is videonastiespodcast.com or thelasthorrorpodcast.com. Next week, we are back in the world of your boy, Jess Franco, with his weird, fucking weird um, horror film, Dawn of the Money, um, yeah, it's it's a bit slow at start and then it goes mad at the end. Um, I know people have got a soft spot for that one, so you know we'll uh, we'll, we'll give it we'll give it um, we'll give it its time and, and, and chat through it and and, and the, the glorious world yes again of Franco. Um, some other stuff at the moment. Um, there is a Halloween story on the Last Horror Podcast uh, feed about um, well, that's a ghost story. And also, if you go search for Screaming Queens with a Z, I, uh, I guessed on another episode of that in, on their sleazy, um, strand, talking this time about, um, the Ray Lovelock, Jalo, softcore slash hardcore, um, film, Play Motel. So give that a go. It's a little bit more, uh, 
well, I've had a glass of wine. Let's put it that way. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's a good, it's a fun little uh, listen. Um, and I'm, I'm really pleased with the way it's turned out, actually. And um, I think we're going to do more. Also, I'm still working on a new podcast series as well, which um, hopefully at some point I'll, I'll, I'll announce. But um, I think we're a ways away from that at the moment. So, till next week, where we get back into Jess Franco yet again, and there's more of those stuff still to come. Take care. I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.